I think some of the faces last saw each other before the pandemic. So it is good that we can visit each other again and get on with our normal times. And we praise the Lord for that. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of time after the meeting for us to catch up with one another and enjoy fellowship together. As our brother uh, Jim has already said, <clears throat> we continue our studies in the book of um, Corinthians. And my portion for this morning is Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians uh, chapter 4. I'll try and read uh, from my Bible. Uh, you can either follow in yours or you can just listen to me. First Corinthians chapter 4. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time, until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the heart, and then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in figure, transferred to myself and Apollos for your sakes, that you might learn in us, not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now if thou didst receive, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory, as if thou hast not received it? Now you are full, now you are rich, you have reigned as kings without us, and without to God, and would to God you did reign, and we also might reign with you. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made spectacle unto the world, and to the angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but we are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honored, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked, and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place, and labor working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world, and are the scurring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have yet not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere, in every church. Now some are puffed up, as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know, not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with the rod, or in love, and in the spirit of meekness? And with that, we always trust that the Lord will bless the public reading of his word. 
This continues the last three chapters that we've been looking at in Corinthians, the subject of schisms within the church at Corinth. All along, chapters 1, chapter 2, chapter 3 were mainly focused uh, precisely to uh, the congregation at large as such. But when we look at chapter 4, we see that Paul, Apostle Paul now points us to the fact that these schisms that were happening in Corinth were not just happening by chance. It wasn't because the believers at Corinth just woke up in the morning and decided they are just going to cause these divisions amongst themselves. But what chapter 4 brings clearly to us here is that now the Spirit of God through the Apostle is pointing very clearly that these schisms were not from the bottom up, but these schisms were actually originating with the leaders in the church. It is of a truth that the character of an assembly sometimes, and if not most of the cases, will reflect the characters of the elders or the leaders of the assembly. It is a solemn responsibility to be an elder in an assembly or to be in a position of leadership because with the way that you will lead so equally will the assembly follow. And now in this particular section, we are going to look precisely how the apostle is going to address these issues as pertaining the leaders of the assembly. The first thing that he brings to our attention is that in chapters 1, 2, 3, the saints, the believers, have now divided themselves and formed groups or camps that are following the names of particular individuals or leaders in the faith. And now the apostle is going to bring how we ought to look at these things. And the first thing of note that he brings to our attention is that he says to them, we are ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Those two words, let's bear them in mind. Ministers and stewards. Now, the word minister in of itself carries with it the idea of serving. It doesn't mean long robes or big hats or somebody to carry a Bible. It carries with it the idea of serving. And we know that there was no greater example than the Lord himself. So whilst these people were building names for themselves and gathering people to follow them, the apostle is going to remind them that in this position of responsibility that you are in, in the local assemblies, you are not bosses. You are servants. You ought to serve. And the idea of being a servant, the idea of being a minister in the word of God actually carries with it the idea of being a bond servant. Not just a servant, but a bond servant. If you go in the Old Testament, you would remember that in the, in the Old Testament system, a Jew would voluntarily agree 
uh, to be sold to a fellow Jew so that they become a servant and they serve them. But God's instruction was that after seven years, they were supposed to release these people. But if after seven years, the Jew found that the master that they served, they loved their master. Right? They didn't want to be set free. And then they would be, then be taken before witnesses and then all would be thrust through their ear. That is to say, they will never be free. They voluntarily give themselves to serve the master forever. This is the idea of being a minister here. And that these leaders in the assembly, what they have to understand is that as ministers of these things of God, they are actually servants who do not own themselves. They are servants who have now pledged to serve their master. Their role here on earth is not so much as to gratify themselves and become bosses in the Lord's house, but that they recognize that they are servants that ought to save. And the idea of stewardship here, being a steward, carries with it the idea of responsibility over someone's possession. In Christendom will be better taught or better understand that in the local assemblies that we are in, it's not our church. It is not your church. None of the elders died for the church that they are that they are serving the Lord under. They are not your possession. They are not a conduit through which our selfish interests are served. They are the Lord's church. Don't you forget that, dear elder. You are an elder over a people that were bought by the blood of Christ. Not you. And as such, as stewards, you should remember that you have been entrusted with the responsibility to take care until he comes. And when he comes, there are a lot of parables about the master coming back. He will come. And when he comes, how is he going to find you? And apparently, if he came to Corinth, if the Lord came back during this time at Corinth, what he would have found is that these leaders were busy building a name for themselves and gathering a following to follow them, instead of following the Lord that has appointed them into the soul. So they had to understand that, that they are servants who are serving on a responsibility that they have been entrusted over the possession that is Christ. Verses 3 to 4. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yeah, I judge not myself. I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet I am not hereby justified 
but he that judges me is the Lord. What is scripture here talking about? These local leaders who were making a name for themselves, they gave themselves the liberty to criticize the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul is not worried so much about the criticism that they are making of him. It is a good heart, isn't it? Because we do not seek to be approved by man that are down here. We might be a minority in our society. We might be a minority in our workplaces. We might be a minority in our community. And then we might even be despised or evil spoken of. Folks, I'm not saying we should be indifferent or, or, or be careless about it. But those things, they are little things. They are small things. Let, let them be. Okay? We trust our Lord. When the Lord shows something in scripture that rebukes us, then we should be worried. That is a good cause to be worried. But being criticized by Mr. and Mrs. John outside? Nah. It's not worth giving us sleepless nights. But because our trust is what God says about us, how the Lord looks at us, the opinion of the Lord about us is what overrides everything and nothing matters more. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. Now, this verse has often been used and thrown around everywhere and anywhere to say, Therefore, we cannot point out issues in, peop in people's lives. Therefore, we as believers, we cannot point out wrongs in people's lives. Uh, because, oh don't, oh, don't judge me. The Bible says, oh, judge not least you'll be judged. This is not what it's talking about here. You would be reminded that actually, Scripture does tell us to judge. In John chapter 7, it speaks very clearly. Say. The Lord says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteously. So we can judge as long as our judgment is righteous. Galatians chapter 5 lists a whole list of things that scripture tells us. That we cannot inherit the kingdom of God if these things are part of us. So if we see those things in people's lives, we can point them out, right? We love each other. To be honest enough to point out issues that we know are contrary to scripture. We love God. We love our Lord. We want to be like him. If our conduct and our behavior... Is not in conformity with the character of Christ and needs dealing with. And believe me, this person standing in front of you has a lot of issues to deal with as well. And any loving brother and any loving sister can come to me and say, Hey, brother, I noticed this in your life. But this is what scripture teaches we should behave. Don't you think? You ought to consider. That's a loving thing to do. 
If I turn back to you and say, oh, Bible says do not judge, then I have a big problem. We should be correctable. We should be malleable. One of the biggest things that perhaps I'm speaking for myself here is acknowledging that you are wrong. One of the words that we don't use, in, use often enough is to say sorry. Because when we say sorry, we think we are weak. When we say sorry, we think we are showing our imperfection. Guess what? You are imperfect. You are work in progress. And we can be honest to ourselves and be willing to say we are wrong. It is amazing how it is that some of the things that have encouraged me in my Christian faith have come to new believers. There's something about new believers. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a child. Their talk is so innocent. They don't know all these things about Calvinism, Arminism, and what, 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 all these schisms that we Christians are busy pulling our heads about. They just see things plainly as they are. And they ask the most obvious of questions that we think perhaps we've been too long enough in the faith to think about these things. And then you realize actually, you know what? They're right. And then you just go, hmm, yeah? You just mumble. They are right. We can be corrected. But this is not what scripture is talking about here. Here scripture is talking about motive. There are things that we cannot judge ourselves. Things that come from the heart. The external things that are in Galatians chapter 5, we can see them. And those things, the issues of righteousness, which we can judge and call out amongst ourselves. But when it comes to men or sisters, brothers and sisters serving in the Lord, we should be careful to judge them in their service. Because we may not necessarily know the motives before which they do these things. You might not be called to witness to people that are coming out of pubs. But another brother and another sister may be exercised to do that. To Lord, they are accountable to. And to Lord, they will answer. You and I cannot judge the motive that is being behind that act of a brother or a sister. But they are serving the Lord in their own way. And we cannot tell their hearts. On such matters, we will be better advised to hold our tongue. Otherwise, we might find ourselves judging a sister or a brother of the Lord that the Lord died for. You did not die for them. We got to be careful. 
So we can judge, but we should judge correctly. We can judge, but we should judge righteously. But we should not be keen or fast to judge motives of the heart. Because you and I do not have that knowledge or wisdom to read other people's hearts. And verse 7, for who maketh thee to differ one from another? And what hast thou that didst not have? Now if thou didst receive, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? Now, what is sad about this verse is we see the state of the church at Corinth in such a bad state that the apostle himself in verse 6 transfers, cannot trust them to be examples of the local assembly. It is an indictment to a local assembly when the leadership is a bad example to the people. One of the things that have really been pressing in my heart this year, ever since we began this year, is the fact that the Lord sees it fit to transfer the testimony of the assembly here at Bensham and gives it to somebody else. Because we have failed as a local assembly to fulfill our responsibilities as the light in this local area of Bensham. We had an assembly meeting and had a discussion about this. Because, dear saints, we are dispensable. Yes. Don't ever think that you are so important that the Lord cannot do without you. We are dispensable. The Lord can extinguish the testimony here at Bensham. If he so chooses, if we are not faithful, the state at Corinth was so bad that the apostle chose to take away the example, to lead by example away from the leadership there and say, look, I am going to confer this upon myself and Apollos. In fact, at the end, if we go uh, right to verse 16, he ends up saying, be ye followers of me. That's how bad things were. And the apostle Paul is not saying, be ye followers of me, because somehow he is some super duper perfect person. No, he is not, as we'll read later on. He is not. But he knows that he is following the Lord. He knows that if these people, because they are so there are such babes. Chapter 3. There are such babes. They are so followers of men. Right? They have so much trouble, right, following the right, because they, they can't do without following a man. Right? So he is having to transfer that to say, right, okay, follow me and Apollos. Because there is such bad leadership in the local assembly there. It is a very dire situation to be in an assembly 
with bad leadership. I have experiences that maybe some of you do not have in this assembly, but I can tell you from experience that there are bad assemblies out there. They are bad not because the flock is bad, but because the leadership is atrocious. The leadership, the things that they teach in the pulpit make people, the flock, to become the state that they are in. And at this point, the apostle feels fit to transfer that trust to say, I cannot trust you with the example that you are leading your, your, your flock. I cannot trust you. I would rather you now look at me and Apollos. Verse 7, for who maketh thee to differ from one another? And what hast thou, thou didst not receive? Now, it is of a truth that within the assembly at Corinth, they were good oratory speakers. As we, I think it was Brother Sid in his introduction, mentioned to us that these are the people who trusted the wisdom of this world. They, they were trained in public speaking. They had good oratory skills. And they saw those skills as somehow making them superior. And now, and the apostle is going to challenge them to say, whatever you have, remember this, it is not your own cleverness. When a brother takes a stand at the pulpit and preaches a message that touches a sister or a brother in the audience, who preached that message? Do we know everyone's circumstances in this room? I don't. You don't. But the Lord does. The Lord, the master shepherd, knows the needs that are in us here. When a brother steps at the platform and preaches a message that touches a, a peculiar, specific circumstance in a brother or a sister, and it touches their heart, it is not the brother. There is no such thing as an amazing preacher. There is only one amazing preacher and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is the one, through his spirit, who gives us the words to say at the pulpit. The, after the message, when a brother or sister is touched, please, let us understand, it is not to uplift the brother onto a pedestal and makes them look as if they are some amazing somebody. They are nobody. You know, the Lord said, uh, he, he, he spoke, I think, I think it's Matthew, I think it's Luke 17. He said, after you have done everything that you have done, right? And you have done well. 
what you have done, what should you say of yourselves? You are unprofitable servants. What do I see here of the brothers that take the pulpit? We are all unprofitable servants. We are servants just doing the master's work. We are not building names for ourselves. If after this meeting you cannot remember the name of this preacher this morning, but you can remember the things that were spoken of and you can remember the name of the Lord, my job is finished. My job is done. But they missed this, the leaders in Corinthians. They wanted to build names for themselves. You want to build a name for yourself? Verses 9 to 13. I call this a job description. There is a vacancy. You want to fill it? Okay. Here is the job description. You be set last. You be made a spectacle of the world by the angels and by men. You be a fool for Christ's sake. This is the role. You be made weak. You be despised. You will hunger. You will thirst. You be naked. You be buffeted. You have no dwelling place. You will labor with your own hands with no salary at the end of the month. You will be reviled. You will be persecuted. You will be defamed. And you will be made a filth. Do you know what that word filth is actually? It's actually, forgive me for using this word, it's scum. This is the job description that the apostle lays out to the leaders. Christendom would be better served if they advertised these roles in this way. We will be in our rightful place rather than building names for our own selves. And there is a word here that really, really struck me in verse 8. And it says, now you are full, now you are rich, you have reigned as kings. And these are the two words, without us. What had these leaders done? These leaders were having a banquet to which the apostles were not invited. They were living like kings. They were reigning. They were having their best life right now. And they shut the door to keep the apostles out. It is very sad because when you go down, actually in verse 14, he reminds them that I begot you. You are my children in the faith. But now, 
you shut me out to reign in your own kingdom. And the apostle is not jealous about that. He reminds them that, you know what, I actually I wish you would reign. But the only difference that when that reigning happens is that we'll be reigning with you. There is a day coming. There is a time coming when the scum of today's world will be reigning kings at the right time in the kingdom of God. We don't dwell on these things a lot because we want to keep things in perspective. Right? But dear saint of God, God has an amazing plan for you and I. We might be the least at this moment, but make no mistake, we shall reign. And this time, we will reign with him. They were saying, oh, because the apostle was, I'm just going to finish now, the apostle was sending Timotheus before, and he wasn't coming himself. They said to, they're thinking to themselves, maybe the apostle is afraid to come. He's going to send Timotheus because he is afraid to come. And then he warns them, and he reminds them of this, that it is not the oratory skills that matter. He is going to come. And when he comes, he is not going to be looking for oratory skills in them. He is going to be looking for spiritual power. What is taught? Do you have a television? There are people on television who are good with words in Christendom. And you can go and watch them on God channel. But their words are spiritually dead. They mean absolutely nothing to the things of God. I can list names to you here, but I won't. Dear saints of God, let us be careful. Let us be wise. Let us choose and decide righteously. Leaders of local assemblies, you are servants. These schisms following man, they are not to be heard in the house of God. There is only one master that we serve. There is only one Lord before whom we bow. Everything else is scum of this world until the Lord lifts us up. Let us pray. Our precious and wonderful Lord and Savior, we thank and bless you for your goodness unto us. We thank you, Lord, that you have not left us ignorant. You have not left us, Lord, not knowing what to do or what sort of people we ought to be. We thank you.